0: We started a new series last week, working through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, Last week we covered three verses, and this morning we're going to cover three words. So our pace is going to slow down here a little bit, but we called this series Love Is. And the fact is, every single culture in the history of recorded humankind has tried to fill in this blank. Every culture in all places at all times, have tried to define and to express what they believe love is. All of art, all of poetry, all of music, all of theater and drama and production have all pointed to our expression of what love is. And some of those expressions have been very true and some have been rather corrupted. Because when we try to define love, we are swimming in territory that is beyond us. And so it's best to let the designer speak to it. It's best to let the creator fill in the blank for us. And so I invite you to grab your Bible, if you would, this morning. Uh, If you're a guest today, we have a tradition here. Before we jump into this book, we have a creed we say about what we believe this book is uh, and a prayer before we dive in. And so if that's where you're at in your spiritual journey today, then join with us as we hold up our Bibles or tablets or whatever we're using. And as we declare this together this morning, here we go. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart. And awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Last week we, we filled in this first blank of love is that love is the win. The apostle Paul says, I can have this, this spectacular gifting. Where I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Without love, as spectacular as that might be, it's just a lot of noise. And they said, I can, I can have all prophecy. I can even possess the supernatural. Without love, it's nothing. I, he said, I, not just spectacular or supernatural, he said, I can, I can even have this, this uh, incredible smarts about me where I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Without love, what I'm missing is my purpose on planet Earth. They said I can even be sacrificial. A matter of fact, not just give up everything I have, but even give up my life, my body to be burned, go to the point of martyrdom. And Without love, it, it it profits me nothing. I gain nothing. Love is the win. It's this otherworldly thing. We said the the word used here in the text is is the word agape, which doesn't exist in any historical writings. It's almost like the writers of the Bible were like, man, the the earthly definition of love just doesn't scratch the surface. We need to make up a new word. It's so otherworldly. Love is. This morning we come to verse number four. Just three words. Love is patient. So if you didn't know what we were filling in the blank with today, it's not very creative. (laughs) Love is patient. And I've been uh, familiar with this text, even had a lot of it memorized since I was young enough that I don't remember memorizing it. And I think until I I told you, I've, I've just been walking through this text almost for three years a lot. And then this sermon series uh, by Andy Stanley back in November about parenting really was the, man, I think we need to walk through this together as a church family. But in all these years of this text, this is really the first window of my life that I really noticed. The first description given of love is that it's patient. When we asked the Apostle Paul, hey, that's awesome. Love is the objective. Well, what is it? And the first Description he gives us is it's patient. Ugh! Isn't that horrible? You're allowed to say that about the Bible, right? That's all. Come on. We're starting off with like we can't work our way up to patience. Like, can we get some stuff down first? That's maybe a little easier, right? Like love doesn't throw things. Can we just start there? But we got to get the whole way up to like. Heart-level patience. You know, patience is on the inside, not the outside, right? You can't fake patience. And when you try to fake patience, it looks really fakie. Just waiting on you, being really patient. No, that's not patient. It's like an internal thing. And that's where we start, patience. As I really began to, to study, starting in verse 4, about these descriptors of what agape is, I had I had two almost immediate responses. And the first one was, ugh, really? We have to start there? Why start there? And then my second almost immediate thought was, oh, thank God. See, that, that sounds like, ugh, when I think about how I have to love you. But when I think about how I need to be loved, what else could be first? If we're going to love broken people in a broken world with broken motives and broken filters, then where else could we start but patience? And you might not think that the world needs patience to love you, and that's why we need patience with you. What other starting point can there be if we're fallen? If we're broken. And here's what I would say in that sermon series. I've heard him say this a whole lot. He said it in this series as well. He said, here's the encouragement for all of us. Other than Jesus, there's basically no good examples in the whole Bible of people who are good at anything. Like Be encouraged. The Bible's full of super busted up people. Now there are some people in the Bible that all we know about them is really good stuff. And usually that's because we only have like one verse in the whole Bible about them. (laughs) But anybody whose life we got a glimpse of, every single story was a train wreck. Just like us. Because the Bible isn't full of good examples that we're trying to live up to. The Bible is full of real examples of broken people whose lives were overcome and restored by the love of God. And so it's not like, oh, man, how can I get this right? How can I? No, no, no. Listen, we got to If we're going to love each other, if we're going to love broken people in a broken world, it has to start with patience. That's where God's love has to start with us. The whole story of the gospel begins with the fact that we are sinners And that's about as un 2020 trendy as you can be. I always go to church and they talk about sin. I don't like that. That's because you're a sinner. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Like the reason we don't want to be told that is because we want to think better about ourselves because we struggle with pride because we're sinners. And that's where this whole story of love begins. Uh, The Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates, displays, shows his love, right? Here's the unveiling of love. You ready? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like the gospel begins by acknowledging the fact that he pursued us in our sin. Jesus didn't die for us despite our sins. He died for us because of our sins. That's what real love is. Like it begins by acknowledging the fact that we're not very lovable. (laughs) Put that on a Hallmark card. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you despite how unlovely you are. X-S-O-O. And yet how great is it that love begins with patience? That's good news for all of the normal people in the room. Religious people might not need to start there. People who have it all together might not need to start there, but for all of us humans, thank God that love is patient. That resonate with anybody else? Really wonderful to receive, really difficult to pass on, right? Love is patient. So let's talk about what patience is, and I'm I'm borrowing this definition from from Stanley this morning. He says, patience is walking at another person's pace. Isn't that good? Patience is walking at another person's pace. Because everybody we're doing life with has an erratic pace. Sometimes it's infuriatingly slow. And sometimes it's infuriatingly zigzag. Do you even know where you're going? Sometimes it's infuriating how they're trying to outrun life. And sometimes it's just straight up stuck. But patience meets somebody where they are and moves at another person's pace. I've got a couple pictures I'm going to show you of what patience looks like this morning. And they all happen to be pictures of our kids. And I only had three that show what patience looks like in our parenting (laughs) of the thousands of pictures we have. So this is the first one. Uh, This picture goes back. Uh, Almost 16 years. Look at Garrett's little hat. He still wears that every day. (laughs) So one of our first times taking him to the beach there in our home, Jacksonville, Florida. And um, patience is moving at another person's pace. What you're going to see in the other two pictures, the other two pictures will have Ethan in them. And I don't have any pictures with Bryson because if you have more than two kids, you know... Like, truly, like, if you went through our pictures, you would kind of think we abducted him whenever Cap and Gown Day was in kindergarten. It was like the first picture we have. But anyways, um, Trevor, whoever told you that, like, having a third kid was, was so easy, I'm so sorry they lied to you. Because you're now outnumbered. Truly, life is over. Um, Congratulations. So it's it's really easy. As parents, to walk at our children's pace when their pace is this obvious, when they just have them little legs that are kind of uneasy, that a wave would have – that would have been a good picture. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Patience moves at another person's pace. And sadly – I will confess I've spent way too much time as a dad rushing ahead of my kids, expecting them to be more mature than they were yet, expecting them to have stuff figured out that I just figured out a couple years ago, and or rushing to the next thing and being in such a hurry. And my marriage has been marked by running ahead of where Maurice is at, and she wanted us to be present and whatever, and I was like, i got stuff to do, i, I got to be in a hurry. Much of my life has been corrupted by my pace. There are friends who've really needed me to slow down and just sit with them. And I've been in too much of a hurry to even see that. But love is patient. Love acknowledges another person's pace. And most of the time for me, my pace is too fast. But there's been other seasons of life I could barely keep up. Because my pace is broken just as broken as all the people I'm trying to love. Most of the time, my pace is fast, especially if I have to go shopping. So I don't I don't like to shop. My, my version of shopping is hunting. And those of you who know me well, you know I don't hunt. Like I don't do camo, early, cold, morning, quiet. Like I failed all of that. I don't like to go hunting. My version of hunting is we need shoes. Sh- shoes. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Like, as quickly as possible, find, hunt, kill, go home, right? And just recently, we had to go to the mall to get track shoes for our middle son, Ethan, pause, dad brag, um, because he just qualified first for our uh, district qualifying track meet in the 100 hurdles. Yeah, right on. Fastest time in Tarrant County, one of the fastest times in the state of Texas, uh, Ethan way to go. Right. So Mr. Track guy needs some new track shoes. And so we got to go to the mall. And here's the thing, man. When I don't know what it is about a mall that is like, how fast can I get out of here? And I was, it was the first time in a year and three months. I was happy about COVID as I thought nobody else would be there, but like everybody is back at the mall. And so man, I am like zigzagging and here's the thing when i when i drive in a vehicle i will never intentionally cut somebody off but when i'm walking in the mall if you get in front of me like i will drive a 350 pound man into victoria's secrets to like (laughs) get to where i'm going and so i'm dodging and zigzagging and like let's go and ethan's not with me and i'm like hello track boy where's your first in the state now come on (laughs) And far too often that's what life has looked like too. And patience says, man, what are we in such a hurry for? Patience meets somebody where they are in their pace, even in the hard days, in the difficult days. As a matter of fact, uh, if anybody's reading out of the King James this morning, you saw that it said love suffers long, which is actually a really good translation of patience here, that it suffers For the long haul, by the way, if you're using the King James, you notice it says the word charity, not love, because I told you uh, the word agape was this otherworldly love. And so in the 1600s, when they were first translating the Bible into English, they're like, well, we have to use a different word for agape. Let's try charity. And it just didn't take on. So all the modern translations were like, let's hope the context just shows how different of a version of love this is. But this definition is that it suffers long, which is very otherworldly because the the modern definition of love says as soon as something feels like suffering, I'm out of here. Oh, you let me down. You hurt my feelings. You betrayed me. Oh, life is hard. I'm gone. Suffer long. Why would I do that when I can just go start over anytime I want with friends, with marriage? We just give up on one another so quick. And patience says, man, your pace is as broken as mine, so I'm going to walk with you. Love suffers long. In it for the long haul, because this this idea, I want to speak to parenting specifically for a minute, right? That That love is patient and and that it suffers long because our our kids are going to be at the developmental stage that they're in when they're ready to be there. Not when we're ready for them to be there. Like they're going to get there. At the very moment that their creator designed for them to get there. Isn't that frustrating? Not a day before. And and when Marisa and I found out that we were going to have our first child. We were terrified. You remember that? Do you remember the day you found out you were having your first We were terrified. And, and I'll be honest. This week is the. One year anniversary of my dad's passing, and I I don't want to dishonor him this morning, but those of you who know my story know I didn't have much of an example of a dad's relationship with a kid that I wanted to replicate. And one of the reasons I was so terrified when I found out I was going to be a dad is I had no idea how to do that. And so one of the things Maurice and I did super intentionally is we, we tried to learn. Whatever happened to that? Like when did we reach the point of parenting that we were too exhausted to learn more or too frustrated to try? But we wanted to learn, and one of the ways that we learned is we looked at kids. I was a student pastor at the time, so we were around young people all the time, and I'm like, hey, they seem like the kind of kids that we would love to have ours turn out to be. Let's spend time with their parents. John and Mary Evelyn Howard had three kids that we were like, They're really good kids and they've grown into be great adults and parents and serving Jesus and awesome family, right? And one of the things that we discovered as we got with them is their kids were super normal and they had struggles and man, they, they fought with each other and struggled. But for the most part, there was a patience on the part of John and Mary Evelyn to just meet their kids where they were. And they still have a good relationship with their kids today. I love what Stanley said. He said, I've never met a father who regretted that he hadn't been harder on his children. But I've met a lot of dads who have broken relationships with their adult kids who would give anything to go back and have an opportunity to display more patience. Often we, we parent with this determination that our kids won't turn out the way that we did or didn't instead of just meeting them at their pace. We love one another with patience because none of us have arrived and God's still at work in us, patient with us. And just maybe the way that God's working in somebody else's life is through our patience with them. Like maybe they'll see Jesus in that, and maybe our spouse will see us respond not out of selfishness but out of biblical love and be drawn closer to Jesus for it. Patience moves not just uh, meeting another person at their pace, but patience is also walking at another person's place, where, wherever they're at in the journey. One of the things that I've discovered is life is very full of seasons. The, the longer I've been here at Temple, the more goodbyes we've said, the more we've seen people move away or get job offers or go to the next thing. And if you stay in a place long enough, you find yourself saying a lot of goodbyes. And what we've realized is relationships are very seasonal. Patience says for the story, for the chapter of the story that I'm walking with you, I want us to walk together. By the way, that's even the goal of parenting. Our, our walk is supposed to look different because at some point in time, they're supposed to leave. God willing. Walking with another person at their place in the journey says this, right? So meeting a person at their pace acknowledges that we are not holy. Holy. But meeting them at their place acknowledges we're not home yet. (laughs) Like every one of us are smack dab in the middle of the already and the not yet. We've talked about that a lot. Paul David Chip says that, that already Christ has revealed his love to us, but not yet has it fully transformed us to his image. We're all smack dab in the middle. Every great story in the history of humankind has a beginning, a middle with some tension, and then this great ending. And all of us are living in the middle of each other's stories. Even a marriage, a lifetime of a marriage is all in the middle because we didn't start this and never in your marriage will your spouse be fully conformed to the image of Jesus. And we all know that to be true. (laughs) We're all living in the middle and patience believes that the journey isn't over yet and there's a bigger story at play. So let's just keep walking. Because the point is we want to see one another closer to Jesus when this chapter transitions than they were before it started. My mission in life is not that we'll never hurt each other's feelings with my friendships. It's just that maybe we'll be a little closer to Jesus when our paths part than we were before our paths came together. God is not done with you. He's not done with me. And he's not done with the person that stretches your patience the thinnest. That co-worker is on a journey leading to a destination. A very real person who will have a very real ending one day. And so we meet them with patience. Like I said, maybe that patience will become contagious to them. Picture number two for this morning. For the first story, or the first picture rather is us walking with Garrett on the beach. And the second... Is Garrett walking with Ethan? Is that not the cutest thing in the whole world? Every time I have a picture like this, I tell my sons, this is back when you were cute. (laughs) They know I love them. It's just true. Those years of, of walking with Garrett at that pace and then the The pace changed, the journey changed, and now he's walking at his brother's pace. It's just a different place on the journey, because now we can't keep up with him. (laughs) Wherever we showed up, at whatever point in the story, with whatever person is in our life, love is patient. And if you're like me, back to parenting again for a second. Are you ever haunted by the thought of, but what if my kids don't turn out right? Anybody ever think that? Am I the only parent who wonders, what if my kids don't turn out right? But the question is, is that really the point? Some arbitrary standard of right? I've got the greatest clarity today that I've ever had in my life, and it might be lost tomorrow, so I might need you to remind me of this. But I've got the greatest clarity day I've ever had. That my mission on planet earth. Is that my sons will turn out loved. And loving. That's it. That, that my, my sons will grow up knowing that they are loved unconditionally. And that that knowledge will produce in them a capacity to love God and love people. And that's going to be with speed bumps and mistakes good days and bad days. But at the end of the day. The measurement of whether we have won at home or not. Is not our kids grades. Their achievements on a ball field or a court. It's not the job they get. The school they get into. It's do they know that they are loved. And does that knowledge. Is it growing in them a capacity to love. We. We tend to bail on our relationships with one another. Because somehow we expect people to be farther along in the journey than we are. (laughs) Wouldn't it be really easy to love one another if everybody else had arrived? I'm just telling you, all y'all would be easier to love if you had just arrived. Which means I want you to be somewhere on the journey I'm not. And patience reminds me that I'm smack dab in the middle of my sanctification just like you are. Love is patient. We said last week, and we'll probably say this just about every week, love is this thing that we're infatuated with as a culture. that's almost as though the culture tells us that love is God. Love is the thing we live for. Love is is what we worship, but our our biblical worldview tells us, no, our God is love. And at the end of the day, this whole series isn't about, hey, try hard to be patient. That's why I said, the first thing I said was, you can't fake patience. This isn't some surface level behavior modification. We'll actually talk a little bit more about that next Sunday morning, Lord willing. Again, this brings us back to the fact that this is how You are loved. And it's his patience towards you. That produces in you. The capacity to love others the same. He's patient towards us. He He literally. God. Put on flesh and blood. And entered our pace. And our place. So that he could show us. That we're as loved as he says we are. Somebody say amen. That's good news. Last week we said that the the heart of this in, in John chapter 13 is Jesus says, just as I have loved you, love one another. This all finds its source, its beginning, its inspiration, and its authority in the fact that this is how he loves us. The Puritan theologian Thomas Goodwin said, Christ is love covered over in flesh. Christ is love covered over in flesh. Come to show us what patience looks like. And then one of the people who spent the most time with Jesus on planet Earth, a guy named Peter, said this about him. The Lord is patient. That's who he is. He is love, therefore he can't help but be patient. We would know that he was, even if this verse wasn't in the Bible, because God is love. And if love is patience, then we know God is patient. But I love that Peter just tells us, no, the Lord is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And without that patience, we would all perish. Without that patience, none of us would turn and follow after him. That's our hope. Is that he's patient with us. His desire is not that you would get your act together. His desire is that you might believe for just a moment that you're as loved as he says you are. And I believe that that love produces in us, that faith in his love produces in us. The capacity to love well. And without it, we want people to walk on our terms and journey at our place. But love is patient. Third picture. And this one's much more recent. This is just a few weeks ago on spring break at the Fort Worth Zoo. Voted the number one zoo in America. Woohoo, go Fort Worth. This um, this picture taken just a, f- a few weeks ago. So my oldest son, Garrett, thinks this is a cool picture because all of our pace is the same. Like we're synchronized walking on the boardwalk at the zoo. Unintentionally. And yet again, Bryson's not in the picture. Um, because he was terrorizing and torturing animals. Otherwise known as a petting zoo Which is animal purgatory and we don't even believe in the doctrine of purgatory, but that's another story Here's the thing about all those years of walking slowly when their legs were little As we walk with patience what we end up finding is People end up walking with patience with us and I hope this will resonate with somebody if we don't learn to walk with patience we're going to end up walking alone we're going to be so busy on the rush ahead or the lag behind demanding that life exists on our terms that we're going to end up alone with our terms but when we allow the the patience of God toward us to transform us we end up finding the capacity to do life together. Because without patience, we'll just keep giving up on each other, being offended at everything, bouncing from relationship to relationship, from wound to wound, from church to church, from job to job. Patience calls us to lay down living for self meet these busted up people all around us with the same grace that's been extended to us. I want to end with with this story. um, A story that some of you might know and might remember of a story that went viral about eight years ago. Just this past week, Karen Troop Reshared this story. I found it interesting. It's recycling through the internet again. It's one of one of those stories that I think isn't going to go away anytime soon because it's a really moving story. And maybe you heard about it back when it first happened in 2013. There was a cross-country race in Navarre, Spain. Runners from all over the world came to this this huge event, and the guy who was Leading the race towards the end Leading by a huge lead Was a guy named Abel Mutai He's a runner from Kenya And just uh, a little while before this race Six months before this race He had won a bronze medal At the London Olympics He's a pretty incredible runner And the race was his The problem is Abel didn't speak Spanish And he was running a race in Spain And so he thought he crossed the finish line And stopped running to catch his breath And celebrate his win The crowd started yelling at him That's not the finish line, it's right there You stopped just short But they were speaking to him in Spanish He didn't understand what they were saying About that time A runner was coming up behind him from Spain Ivan Fernandez and Aya, who had second place all to his own. There's not a third person in view and he was coming up and he could have just bolted past Abel and won the race. But instead he came up realizing what had happened and he ushered Abel to the finish line, pushed him to the finish line. And the world went crazy. Like this story went viral overnight because they were like, can you imagine how selfless you would be? And he said, what are you talking about? That wouldn't have been a victory. That wouldn't have been a win. I didn't win the race. He killed me. He won by forever. I couldn't have lived with that. And what that was, the reason it resonated so much with the world, the fact that it's still being talked about eight years later... Is something in us says, man, meeting another person at their pace and helping them get to the finish line, that's the true definition of a win. That's a picture of biblical love. Is that what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, because God has met me in his kindness and his tenderness and his mercy and his grace, is I just want to walk with some other people towards the finish line. Helping them get where God has ordained for them that's the wind.